Well, good morning again, everyone. Welcome, welcome. So today, as uh, our brother Mike mentioned, is is uh, a Doxology Sunday. We're going to be we're beginning our series, the Advent series, uh, for the next few weeks up until Christmas, um, called the Hymns of Advent. And uh, we we've already sang a couple this morning, uh, but this series, the Hymns of Advent, is going to lead right into Christmas. And each week we're going to be focusing on a specific uh, theme, themes including peace, joy, hope, and love. And the theme for today is hope. And as this morning is a doxology service, I just want to share a brief word on this theme of hope uh, before we go into a time of music and singing. And I also invited a couple men of our congregation uh, to read portions of scripture specifically related to this topic of hope. And uh, so I'm going to be inviting our brother Earl Schillinger up in just a few moments for another reading as we move forward. Uh, We sang this line earlier from the well-known hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. The words of this hymn, Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. The lyric of this Advent hymn is written from the perspective of one awaiting the Messiah before his first coming, his first Advent. And this hymn is saturated with the language of hope. Can you imagine living in a time of history? in that time in history which some refer to as the 400 years of silence. This was that time between Malachi's prophecy and the birth of Jesus. It was known as the 400 silent years because it was a span where no new prophets were raised up and God had revealed nothing new to the Jewish people. They were waiting for the Messiah. And just to put this in perspective for us, imagine having waited until this year, 2022, for something immensely important to happen. And the last announcement that anyone's ever heard about it was given in the year 1622. Can you imagine that? No updates, no confirmations. Aside from the fact that nobody lives that long, that's a long time to wait. The Messiah was long expected. But thank God that that expectation was not in vain because when the fullness of time had come, Galatians 4.4 says, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So against this backdrop of 400 years of silence, Israel's need for hope was obvious. And the scriptures speak to us today They speak of us today as those who also have much reason to hope. The writer of Hebrews describes believers as those who walk this earth as strangers and exiles, who desire a better country, that is a heavenly one, because God has prepared for us a city. Amen? A city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So as long as there's something better waiting for us, a not yet aspect to our experience, 
there's always going to be a call for hope. But I want to ask this question this morning. What is it that's unique about the hope of the Christian? Hope in the ordinary sense of the word could be described as a desire for something good in the future. And Webster's defines hope as a desire accompanied by a wishful expectation of fulfillment. But what is embedded in this ordinary idea of hope is a sense of uncertainty. Someone might say, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but I hope it happens. But Christian hope, our hope is not like that. It's not simply wishful thinking. The biblical meaning of hope is entirely removed from the idea of uncertain outcomes and wishful thinking. Christian hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen because that expectation is not based in wishful thinking, but in the promises of God. Amen? Christian hope is when God has promised that something is going to happen and you put your trust in that promise. God promised to Israel that he would send the Messiah, and he made good on that promise. Hope is a confidence that something will come to pass, because God has promised it will come to pass. Now, even as I say this, it, it almost sounds like we're starting to describe the nature of faith. And it really is hard to talk about hope without also speaking of faith because they are two overlapping realities. So how is hope connected to faith? And how do the two relate with one another? One Bible teacher said it this way, and I quote, Faith is the larger idea, and hope is a necessary part of biblical faith. Hope is that part of faith that focuses on the future. In biblical terms, when faith is directed to the future, you can call it hope. But faith can focus not just on the future, but on the past and the present too. So faith is the larger term. Faith is our confidence in the Word of God. And whenever that Word is referenced to the future, you can call our confidence in it hope. Hope is faith in the future tense. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The Old Testament saints looked forward in hope to Christ's first advent. And had we lived in that time, had we lived in those times, we would have written hymns like, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and come thou long expected Jesus, like we sang this morning. But in our day, we look back in faith to Christ's first advent, with thankful hearts, rejoicing in the work that he accomplished for all time on the cross. His work is finished and will never again need to be repeated. And because his completed work also includes our future glorification, our need for a forward-looking hope, as New Testament, New Covenant believers, has not ended. There is still a now and not yet reality for us as we await Christ's second coming. Our hope has not yet been fully realized, even though it has nevertheless been secured. 
Thank God that the best is yet to come for the Christian. Amen. We, have, we already have the first fruits of this, but there's so much more coming. Amen? There's so much more coming. John, 1 John chapter 3, he says this, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Now, if you're like me, sometimes we can be overwhelmed by the reality of the corruption that still remains and the flesh that dwells with us. Even so much so that we wonder if it might shipwreck our faith and sometimes drown our hope. But it is impossible for God to lie, and He won't change His mind about you or me. Your name is engraved on His hand. You're an heir of the promise. So in light of this, the writer of Hebrews encourages us. He tells us in chapter 6, verse 11, And we desire that each one of you show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to, by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that's set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone already as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's Hebrews chapter 6. But think of that. Jesus has gone before us as a forerunner on our behalf, taking our sins upon himself and offering his own blood as an acceptable sacrifice. Through his own submission to death on our behalf, he trampled death's power and death's, death's sting and rose from death as the first among many brethren. And we are his brethren in that sense. And where he is, there we will also be. He's not a dead hope, amen? He is our living hope. I know some songs by that title. <laughs> but First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He is our hope. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this we rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, 
more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen.